there a spiritual level to everything? Where does the symbology of sacred scripture come from? How do those symbols connect us to heaven? We explore the nature of correspondences right now in the NCE Spotlight, your home for fresh insights from the ongoing translation of the New Century edition of Swedenborg's Theological Works. Knock, knock. Is the doctor in? Oh, do come in. Hey, hey, you guys. Hey. Hey, Dr. John. Thanks so much for having us, as always. And yeah, we've got Curtis with us this time, too. And I'm just so excited to see what you found in your editing work and what's what's sort of fresh fresh in your mind from all of that. I'm really excited about these three passages that I came across about correspondences. And this mm-hmm. has to be one of Swedenborg's brand value concepts, right? Um, yes. Uh, correspondences is, is a big part of, of what he's doing. And so I'm very excited to share these with you. The first one I would call kind of the fundamentals of correspondence. I just like the way that he laid this out. This is number 2991. Okay. The fact that earthly objects represent spiritual attributes and correspond to them can be seen from this. The earthly dimension cannot possibly come into existence except as a result of some cause prior to it. Its cause lies on the spiritual plane. No earthly object exists that does not trace its cause to that plane. Physical forms are the effect and cannot appear as causes still less as causes of the causes or first origins. (laughs) Instead, they take a shape that suits the use they will serve in the place where they exist. Even so, the outward form of the effect represents attributes belonging to the causes, Hmm. and these attributes in turn represent those of the first origins. Hmm. So everything in the earthly realm represents that facet of the spiritual realm to which it corresponds. And spiritual elements in turn represent those facets of the heavenly realm from which they arise. Interesting. I know I'm like picking apart the very end there, but the the heavenly level thing, when he was talking about first origins, I thought he was talking about, you know, God, like the divine essence of things. And then he suddenly plugs it in as the heavenly thing? Or that's... Yeah. It's interesting. That's true. More layers or something to do going that. on there. Yeah. But that was that was a really good overview, I'd say. <laughs> a pretty good summary of the whole correspondence idea. Yeah, there was a couple of things that stuck out to me. It does make my head swim a little bit to try to think two layers of correspondences back. <laughs> yes. So I yes. can sort of get that... There's something physical that is a more static, (laughs) simpler version of something spiritual, but then that reapply that process to the spiritual thing. Like what would a heavenly thing even be? Yeah. I'm very grateful for this passage because the basics of correspondences is something that I feel like I need to hear over and over again. And he gets really clear here. I especially was intrigued by that part where he said it assumes something like it assumes the form that will allow it 
to perform its function yeah. in the world or its use in the world. Because I'm often wondering, well, is there a is there a beaver in the spiritual world? So that makes a physical beaver. But yeah. it almost seems more like there's the purpose of making these ponds. And so physically, what's the best shape and things that will make those ponds, you know? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I yeah. That, that's how I read it too. That, I thought that was very interesting too. That that so it's a, adapted to the world in which it lives, and yet it's still reflecting that thing that's on the next level. And I also agree with you about the sort of three dimensional chess aspect of. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Trying to imagine what it is hard to think in more than two of those. And I love the fact that he's really clear that no earthly object exists that does not trace its cause to that plane. Uh, In other words, I I used to get tangled up in the thought that is it just things in nature and then stuff that we made? Yeah. Does that apply? You know, all these inventions, all this technology, does that fit under the same thing or are we really just talking about trees and plants and this passage is really clear to me that oh you couldn't have anything in the world of physics that doesn't do this because that's really basic to everything i think that's why i like how it's it adds a cohesiveness to the whole universe which makes sense to me you know like that that everything needs to be a part of the same system and that Swedenborg is saying it is all part of the same system Mm. and is interconnected in that way. Whereas like without that sense of everything being somehow tethered back to the spiritual plane and beyond, everything can just seem really disparate and fractured and like who cares what's happening in this far-reaching part of the universe and what's happening even across the street from me or something, you know, but this, it appeals to me for how it affirms this idea that everything is a part of this cohesive system, which even like physical, you know, our physical experience demonstrates that too, but, but it brings it up a level, you know, and that, yeah, that's, that's nice. I think about... Well, Jonathan, you were mentioning technology. It seems like there must have been some spiritual world thing that connects everyone together and gives them access to the world's knowledge and does all these other things for them. I don't know, but somehow that ended up as cell phones in mm-hmm. the world or smartphones. Right. Hmm. Right. And and is it that that's been a feature of the spiritual world for a long time and it just took time for technology to catch up to the place where it could make a smartphone and a Wi-Fi network? Or is it that there's been big changes in the spiritual world and we're feeling those big changes through technology in the physical world? I, I can only answer in terms of the big, exciting technological developments that arose in, in back in my day, the uh, oh, automobile. Oh, stone tools. Yeah, Stop exactly. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the fact that cars sort of have lungs and kind of have hearts, you know, they have kind of a yeah. power source, but they have to breathe. And, and, and um, I thought, you know, the... A car, in a way, is 
is in something analogous to the human form. And people didn't know that when they made them, but they tinkered and it just turned out that this was the way that it worked. You know, you had to have this and you had to have that in order to make it work. And yeah. um, I wonder how that fits in because you're, you're right. Is that an evolution in the spiritual world? And there are some passages that have struck me in the spiritual experiences, especially where Swedenborg describes things like uh, on-ramps or high-rise buildings without using those terms for them that yeah. seem like he's about 250 years ahead of, you know, the spiritual world is ahead of, of this world. So was there a development of cell phones and then now that comes down here and, and so on? Very interesting to think about. Hmm. But the basics of communication and the desire to communicate and some way of doing that have always been around. Yeah, and great point about cars. They even have four appendages in them, I guess, yep. it, because it seems to me like I, I was picture that, correspondentially, cars are the new horses, that everything Swedenborg said about how horses correspond oh, to the intellect. Interesting. <laughs> it must be that cars do that, but they really, I mean, horseless carriages, they, they really do sort of mimic even, yeah, the the animal which is the human form a bit so man it'd be great to just get a couple minutes with an angel or two to sort this out <laughs> yes. they even describe them in terms of horsepower don't they so yeah they yes. do. <laughs> this next passage is about something similar which is where the symbolism in scripture originally came from you know why why does scripture use symbolism and where did it come from? Nice. Swedenborg says, this makes it clear where the representation and symbolism in the word come from, from the representations that emerge in the other world. And who else but Swedenborg could tell you that? Um, he goes on, the people of the earliest church who were heavenly and who interacted with spirits and angels while they were still alive in this world Right. acquired them from there. These representations they handed down to their descendants and eventually to a generation that knew little about them except that they had such and such a symbolic meaning. Because they came from earliest times and were used in these descendants' divine worship, though, they treated them reverently and considered them holy. Hmm. It's kind of cool to think about that leaking in from the spiritual world, you know, that they, because the earliest people interacted with spirits and angels, they knew that language. And so then that was able to be codified in this world, even though over time we forgot. And the only thing we remembered was, it's cool. I don't remember why, but it's cool. Right. It makes me think it must have sort of, as things naturally do, kind of becoming calcified in a way, you know, like if you... If you know the language, quote unquote, then you're you're just fluent in it. You know, you know that oh yeah, this this meant that, and this you know, like you just are drawing the the meaning of it. But then, if you're somebody who's learning that, but you're not fluent, and you're just applying what you know, then it, you just naturally need to make it very like okay, this equals that, and this equals that. You know, and you you might come up with a statement or something, but it sounds a little bit clunky. Because you're just being very exact, <laughs> right. you know, with like, this is that. And it just makes sense to me that 
you know, the Bible is doing that. It's supplying us with this deep symbology. Uh, and yet the living experience of that akin to those earliest people would be, you know, almost like of the moment, you know, like if you have the essence of it, then, you know, there's going to be consistency, but you'll understand the nuances, you know, or you'll be like, oh, well this, but it really means this in this context or something and all of that. Uh, so that's, that's interesting to think about. It was kind of like us trying to hack away at, well, is it cell phone from the spiritual world? Is it new? Is it modern? <laughs> Just seeing the thing in front of you would give you so much living understanding of it. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's exactly <laughs> right, Chelsea, that, uh, uh, you know, semester with textbooks is not as good as yeah. sitting in a room with people who speak the language for a few days. Yes. <laughs> you realize, oh, oh, you're saying that, but now I know what you mean. You know, <laughs> right. like I thought it meant this. Right. I was just talking with someone and he was saying that one of the strengths of Swedenborg is that it doesn't dismiss anything. Mm, I yeah. think that that really is what something that sets Swedenborg apart is that it's really a theory of everything because here he is going in and honoring the practices of you know all kinds of world religions yeah and showing how effortlessly how they fit into the system and because you could have a, a theology that just said well that's just the that's the heathen stuff it's nothing and yes. that's not a good enough explanation and this explanation is saying no that's right came from the spiritual world here you go it's great and that he happened to mention it it's just i it's why i have and remain in love with the Swedenborg worldview because everything's in there and everything's honored in there. Yeah, that's a great way to put it, mm. totally. This third passage is really sort of, um, it gives us information, but it's also kind of a plea for us to love correspondences. It, it lands in an interesting way. This is number 2763. Um, subsection 3. But although this branch of study, meaning correspondences, was cultivated so carefully and esteemed so highly by the ancient people who lived after the flood and enabled them to think along the same lines as spirits and angels, Hmm. it has been obliterated today. So entirely has it been wiped out that hardly anyone is willing to believe it exists Those who do believe it exists downgrade it to a mystical whimsy of no practical use. (laughs) People have become altogether worldly and body-centered to the point where if you use the words spiritual and heavenly, they feel resistance and sometimes disgust or even nausea. (laughs) And then here's the punchline, Swedenborg says, that's been haunting me. What will they do in the next world which lasts forever and where there's nothing worldly or bodily but only the spiritual and heavenly qualities that constitute life in heaven? Hmm. Well, when it comes to loving correspondences, Swedenborg, you had me at hello. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't need to do all that. Like, I already want to know everything about it, but great closer there because the reverse of the sort of threatening 
picture it paints is that the work we do put into loving what's heavenly and spiritual and taking the time to not gag at the idea of correspondences will equip us to live happily and in a very relevant way in that side of life. Yeah. I was thinking about like with, with this whole subject of correspondences in Swedenborg is like, uh, he's certainly not the first and not, uh, alone in, in giving us, in talking about how critical or integral sort of symbology is and, you know, even the idea of correspondences of things in the physical world, having this counterpart in the spiritual world, like that's, that's everywhere, you know, like that's sort of like spiritual truth that just you can be human and you're going to run into that. And, but I think what Swedenborg offers that is unique is that it's that whole comprehensiveness of it that he's saying, no, it's not just this mystical whimsy thing you know, it's, you can study it. Like there's a way to analyze things and, you know, just, it becomes this, uh, tool or methodology or something that is just turns out, you know, infinite possibilities rather than just sort of like, oh, I wonder what that dream meant for me, you know, or something like Swedenborg is just giving us the totality of, of how to, or really, maybe not the totality, but like the springboard to really just dig in. And that's why he calls it like the science of correspondences, um, because it's the sciences of sciences, as he says. Yeah, you'd think that if somebody was explaining something spiritual and you said, well, that's whimsical and it has no practical application, you'd say, of course, it's spiritual. But he's saying, no, this is (laughs) practical by nature. This is something that is meant to be taken seriously. You don't just pay it uh, lip service as being something that sounds appealing. Right. Like it doesn't just exist. It It's going to help you do more, like understand more and go forward. Right. Yeah. And uh, although I didn't mention it, the placement of this statement in the volume of Secrets of Heaven, volume four is striking because it comes at the beginning. It's this introductory mm. section at the beginning of that first chapter of the book. <laughs> that's that's where Swedenborg likes to sort of like throw punches. He's like yeah, right in the beginning. Yeah, he does. <laughs> and so this is sort of the end of that beginning. Like he's got a little beginning and this is how it ends. Like what are they going to, you know. Wow. So fine, tell me you're not interested in what I'm telling you. Fine. Yeah. But let me tell you, we're all going to a world where that's all they eat. You know, <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> well, are, aren't you supposed to end your chapters in a way that will make someone want to read the next chapter? <laughs> yes, right. He's That's nailing good, that here. good writing technique, right? Like, oh, yeah, my eternal ability to interface with the reality I'm in. I better start the next one. <laughs> yeah, just toss this out. <laughs> throw get, this away. Better get interested in this. And I do feel in there a kind of call to action. I mean... It's just what we're already trying to do with off the left eye and so on. Um, just to share enthusiasm, increase our enthusiasm for this material, and and um, hope and pray for a uh, a world that loves these things more. You know, that sees the value 
in this yeah. type of multidimensional way of looking at reality and understanding uh, what's going on. Um, but yeah. that that passage right there just kicked me as as few of them have. Nice. Well, I I do think there's an appetite out there, you know. So that's this is a fun time to be sharing Swedenborg's works with with an audience that is so hungry and interested. So that's absolutely it's wonderful time. to see. Yeah. Oh, well, thanks so much, Jonathan. And as always, great to be here with you too, Curtis. It's so fun to do this spiritual reflecting together. <laughs> yeah, Jonathan, you're, you are a pearl diver. I feel like Chelsea and I come walk right. up on the edge of the dock and maybe it's, it's evening <laughs> and a few clouds are starting to roll in and you have a little lamp and you say, look at what I found. <laughs> and it's always awesome to look at. It's so nice to share it with you. And I can feel how you guys care about the material, which is great. Oh, I love it so much. Oh, man. Well, thank you so much. And hey, let's do it again sometime. Let's do it. I hope your heart was uplifted and your mind inspired by this week's NCE Spotlight. Subscribe to the Inside Off the Left Eye podcast to tap into this stream of fresh insights and join us on our excursions into the historical context of Swedenborg's life and works. All passages quoted in this episode are sneak peeks from upcoming volumes of the New Century Edition translation of Secrets of Heaven. If you've benefited from the work of the Swedenborg Foundation through Off the Left Eye and the New Century Edition, consider supporting us with a donation. We are a nonprofit and depend on the support of our donors. To give, go to swedenborg.com donate. And thank you for listening. <laughs>